Please turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, the text is uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Hear God's word. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching, as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and go, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your servants at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up, and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, this your word and uh, this record uh, concerning uh, this one named Saul who uh, we 
uh, are more familiar with by uh, the name Apostle Paul. And we thank you that uh, you apprehended him and uh, surprised him uh, with your own glory. And as we take a look at this text this evening, Father, we pray that we might understand that each of us who uh, have come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, in one way or another, have been surprised by glory. And, uh, Father, as this is the case, we pray that we might take comfort in your good work, not only in uh, this man uh, whom you met long ago, uh, but in uh, uh, each of us whom uh, you also met. So be pleased to bless us as we uh, take a look at this text to this end, that it might be uh, to our comfort and assurance, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Surprised by glory. Uh, Yes, uh, it is the Apostle Paul who is uh, in the text uh, surprised by glory. Uh, But as I mentioned in prayer, uh, each of us who have uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ have also, uh, along the way, been surprised by glory. Because we have, uh, by the grace of God, encountered Jesus Christ. And uh, from this perspective, uh, we are not much different than uh, the Apostle Paul. Oh, yes, Uh, much more, uh, we might say, a flamboyant experience in uh, meeting uh, Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, uh, not much difference uh, because each of us have also, in one way or another, encountered uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, as we look at this text and uh, uh, contemplate uh, this fact uh, of our likeness uh, to the Apostle Paul, uh, it's not... Uh, or it is uh, quite uh, striking that uh, uh, this conversion uh, has been related in uh, Scripture three times. Not only here in Acts 9, but also in Acts 22 and in Acts uh, 26. Uh, The first time I seriously contemplated this fact was uh, hearing uh, the late John Gershner speak about it. And uh, he said... And, and I think he's correct, uh, that uh, there's some significance to this fact uh, because uh, the only other uh, story uh, that is related more frequently in Scripture is the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so we should understand that there's some significance to the fact that uh, this conversion experience is related three times And uh, it is rather a paradigm that's given to us to look at, to understand God's process in converting others to faith in Christ and how our conversion came about. So I want to look at the text in this light and urge you to contemplate the fact to your comfort that you too have been in the providence of God surprised by glory. Uh, As we look at our text in uh, Acts chapter 1, 
and uh, or Acts chapter nine and verse one. Uh, the uh, text begins now. Saul still breathing uh, threats and murder against the disciples. Uh, we first meet uh, this fellow named Saul uh, at the end of uh, chapter seven in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, he was present at the stoning of Stephen, and he heard the testimonies of Stephen, and he heard the judgments of the Sanhedrin uh, with regard to the stoning of Stephen, and he concurred with the judgments of the Sanhedrin. And verse 58 in Acts chapter 7 says, when they had driven him out of the city, that is Stephen, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. There he is. He had heard all of these things. And there was a great persecution that arose after the stoning of Stephen. And Saul involved himself in that persecution and was active in that persecution. And this is why this text says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he was still active, and in this capacity of a persecutor, he went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. Of course, uh, Saul was a preeminent Pharisee, and he was uh, no doubt well known uh, to the members of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, and he was well known uh, to the high priest and the high priestly family. And he desired to be an emissary of the high priest to Damascus in order to further the persecution of Christians. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so, getting uh, letters, he uh, travels to Damascus. Uh, it's about a 135 or 140 mile uh, trip from uh, Jerusalem to Damascus to the north uh, into southern Syria. And off Paul goes with a company for the purpose of binding Christians and hauling them back uh, to Jerusalem in chains. This was his uh, desire. This was his purpose. He was adamantly opposed to the Christian faith. Uh, now, I suppose that uh, those of you who uh, were converted, especially uh, later in life, uh, may have found yourselves opposed to Christianity. Uh, this was the case in my own life. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember very well uh, when I was in the Boy Scouts uh, in uh, high school, in the early years of high school, uh, going on a 100-mile canoe trip with the Boy Scouts. And uh, uh, one of the memorable things about that canoe trip, it's interesting the things you remember, isn't it? Uh, one of the memorable things about that uh, canoe trip was that when we camped uh, by the side of lakes and uh, uh, rivers, I was the most profane person you could imagine. And I swore and cursed and blasphemed and uh, 
uh, to my shame, and uh, I wonder in retrospect how the scoutmaster uh, put up with it. See, what was wrong with him? I suppose he wasn't exactly a friend of Jesus Christ either. You see, this is what happens to us. We find ourselves, before being soundly converted to faith in Christ, of being blasphemers and reprobates and those individuals who oppose Jesus Christ. And so here we find... This man named Saul, better known to us as the Apostle Paul, traveling now to Damascus. Verse 3, and as he was traveling, it happened. It happened. <laughs> it just happened to be this way. You know, it came about. It was, as some would say, it was a dink. No, not really. It was by the plan of God. It happened. This is what the book of Acts tells us that uh, he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. Here he is with his company of cohorts approaching Damascus. Now, when you think of all of a sudden a light from heaven, you get the picture of it being nighttime. I know I do. Perhaps this is not the case with you. But actually, when you think about it, I doubt that this company was traveling at night that it is more likely in the daytime. And uh, think about it now. A bright light in the daytime. Uh, much brighter than the sun. Uh, you, you might conceive of a, a huge magnifying glass uh, directing the rays of the sun around uh, this fellow, uh, Saul. Or uh, a, a searchlight uh, infinitely more bright than the sun beaming down. Star Wars, huh? Beaming down and the light shining around the apostle, this fellow named Saul in the text. And verse 4 said, he fell to the ground. It's almost as though the force of the light drives him to the ground. You might remember that uh, when Ezekiel, uh, recorded in Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, sees uh, the glory of the Lord uh, coming toward him on a great chariot throne, he falls to the ground on his face. There's nothing else that he can do before the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ. And similarly, the Apostle John, when he had a vision of Jesus Christ, as it's recorded in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, he saw Jesus Christ in His glory and he fell on his face before the Lord. 
There was nothing else uh, that these men could do. And this certainly was the case uh, with Saul. And as, as he's on the ground uh, before uh, the Savior in uh, this ineffable light surrounding him, uh, the voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, there's such a connection between the people of God and the Savior that uh, when Christians are persecuted who are members of the body of Christ, the Savior takes that personally. And it's a, a persecution of Him. And uh, we see this personal aspect of the connection uh, between uh, believers and the Savior in this regard. Why are you persecuting me? And uh, it appears that uh, given uh, the splendor and the light uh, uh, surrounding uh, this circumstance or, or surrounding uh, Saul, uh, that he's aware that divinity is at hand. And he cries out then, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? He's bowing and prostrating himself on the ground before the Lord of glory. Who are you? And the answer comes, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. These words must have struck Saul like a thunderbolt. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up. Get up now. And go into the city. And it will be told you what you must do. What else? What else was this man to do? Struck down uh, by the glory of God and suddenly, surprisingly, met on the Damascus, Damascus Road. Uh, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Then, in some way, at some time, at some point in your days, you have encountered Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saw fit to reveal Himself to you. This is how it works. This is how you become a Christian, you see. Jesus Christ revealing Himself to you. And you, therefore, in a manner of speaking at some point, if you're a converted Christian, have been surprised by glory. And you can look back and think of those times when the light came and you saw Jesus Christ in an entirely different and fresh and new and lively way, meeting Him and Him meeting you. And in that encounter, change begins to take place. And so, uh, what does what does Saul do? Verses 7, 8, and 9. 
The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And so the cohorts of Saul, dumbfounded by what has taken place, not understanding, but seeing now their leader blind, they take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. And the text tells us he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. You can imagine the trauma of this circumstance struck down by this one who announces himself to be Jesus Christ and now blind. Not only physically blind, but I would say to you, understanding himself to be spiritually blind. Who are you, Lord? Questioning. And what did he do during this period of three days being in blindness like this? Not only physical blindness, but I say to you, also spiritual blindness. Uh, if you look down a little bit, uh, the uh, uh, part of the narrative goes to uh, Ananias, uh, verses 10 and following. Uh, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire uh, at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul is praying. I'll bet he was praying. And you can bet for sure that he was praying. My God, my God, what has happened? My life has been turned upside down. The one whom I thought was a false Messiah turns out actually to be the Christ? Is that true? Can that actually be? Of course, uh, this man Saul knew the Scriptures. He knew the Scriptures far better than any of us could hope to know the Scriptures. He studied them and memorized them and understood them. He thought that he understood them. And is this one the one who was promised in the beginning, to crush the head of the serpent? Is this the one who was prophesied in Isaiah to come and suffer as these Christians whom I have been persecuting have related over and over again? Is this the one whom the Christians have said was raised from the dead and I scoffed at them and opposed them and 
took them to court and threw them, if I could, in jail? Have I been wrong? So wrong in all that I have done. Can't you imagine uh, during this three-day period in darkness, uh, Saul going over and over and over again uh, these matters and wrestling with himself and wrestling with the Lord with regard uh, to his own understanding of the things of the Bible and of his own life. And so Paul was in darkness. And uh, I think in part, uh, this darkness was uh, the uh, Spirit of God uh, coming to him and convicting him of his sinfulness and his uh, degraded life in seeking to kill the people that truly worshipped the living God. And so under deep conviction, it seems to me, we see uh, this man in darkness. And not only uh, in under the conviction of sin, but coming to a deep conviction of the truth of the Scriptures and a deep conviction concerning the truth of Jesus Christ and who He actually is. And in the midst of all this darkness, uh, the Lord also tells Ananias in verse 12 that he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. He was given a vision, a path to the future. And isn't this what happens? Maybe not in the same way, but isn't this what happens to folks like you and me in this life who encounter Christ? We're convicted of our sinfulness and the fact that we are degenerate human beings in need of regeneration, in need of renewal. And we are convicted concerning the truth of God and the truth of the Scriptures. And so this man, three days and three nights, under conviction, seeking the face of the great God of heaven. And along comes Ananias. Let's read this intervening section. Uh, 10 through uh, 16. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, and he has seen a vision 
of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. So I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. The, the word of Saul had come to Damascus. And there was fear in the hearts of the disciples there, including Ananias. And the Lord had to persuade him to go to this man named Saul. And he accedes. He does. He follows the direction of the Savior. Verses 17 and following. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus... There it is again. The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus appeared to you uh, on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up, and he was baptized. So here comes Ananias, and I'm sure with fear and trembling, he finds uh, the proper house, uh, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? On Straight Street. <laughs> on Straight Street. And he finds the house on uh, Straight Street and announces himself uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you, uh, Saul... Now, uh, this is striking, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure Saul is wondering, well, how did you know? How did you gather these things? Uh, there must have been a previous revelation to Ananias as to what was taking place, and this linked up with this dream, this vision that Saul had had uh, during this period of darkness. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit so that you may regain your sight. This man, blind both physically and spiritually, must regain sight, must gain not only physical sight, but must also gain spiritual sight. And in order for this to happen, he must be filled with the Holy Spirit. He may have had previously tokens of the work of the Spirit in convicting him of sin and tokens of the work of the Spirit in giving him light concerning the Gospel, but now he is regenerated by the Spirit of the living God. This is profound, is it not? Now filled with the Holy Spirit and renewed and given spiritual sight. And it was as if scales fell off of his eyes. 
so that he could now see. Uh, reminds you, does it not, of the disciples on the Emmaus Road, walking side by side with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, and not knowing who it was that was with them. And in the evening hours, breaking bread together and eating together, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. Amazing. And a similar circumstance, it seems, with Saul. And immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. You, you, you get a sense of the Great Commission being implemented and carried out here. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Saul had heard about these things, and now he was the subject, and he was baptized. And what does that mean? It means, first of all, that he had to give testimony of the fact that he now had set aside the persecuting of Christians and repented of his sins of trying to kill Christians and he professed his faith in this Jesus Christ who had days earlier appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And not only so, having credibly, you can be sure of that, confessed his faith in Jesus Christ and being baptized, he became a member of the visible church of Jesus Christ. The very church he was seeking to destroy. He became a baptized member of the church in Damascus. <laughs> An amazing turn of events. And verse 19 says, And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was there with whom? The disciples, the members of the congregation in Damascus. This is where he was for several days then, you see. What a turnaround. What a transformation. Surprised by glory. Turned completely around. And now, part of the visible body that he had sworn to destroy. Think about your own life, dear friends. Convicted of sin. 
convicted of the truth of God in Christ through the Word of God and the hearing of the Word of God. And through the instrumentality of a pastor or an elder or a friend encouraged to turn to Christ and to trust Christ and to align yourself with the church of Jesus Christ to be baptized and to be discipled and to learn. Isn't this the story? Isn't this the wonderful story of men and women and young people and children who come to Christ and are part of His church now? And isn't this in large measure no in in, in not many of the uh, spectacular ways that are specifically associated with uh, this man Saul, whom we better know as the Apostle Paul, but, but isn't this your story in the end? Surprised by glory, encountering Christ, and enfolded by Him, into His church. This is why you're here this evening, friends. This is not just Saul's story. This is your story, too. Thank God that it is. And rejoice in the comfort and assurance that it is you and me surprised by glory. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Good You are to us. Better than we deserve. And we rejoice in the fact that we have the privilege of being together as Your people. And we can look back and recall the times where in surprising ways You took our hand. And Lord Jesus Christ, You took our hand and led us into the presence of the Father. Thank You. Thank You for all those surprises that have come our way and help us to reflect on them that we might more fully rejoice in You and Your goodness to us. For we pray in the good name of Jesus Christ who is the only Lord and Savior. Amen.